you. I'm Kim. And I'm Tara. Welcome to Unapologetically You. I hope you're ready for some positivity, friends, because today's guest, Megan, is unbelievably freaking awesome. Megan's story is honestly just unreal. Imagine going on vacation with your girlfriends, getting away, having all the yummy fruity drinks, soaking up the sun, and just living it up. But then you come home, and shortly after, you get an HIV positive diagnosis. Like, what the what? Stay tuned for this shining light. Don't forget to like us on Instagram and Facebook at Unapologetically You Podcast. And please rate and subscribe on whatever platform you listen in on so that we can continue to inspire you. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for your willingness to share your story with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. For our listeners at home, before we record, we often have our guests send us just kind of a short bio. Um, And in Megan, in your bio, what stuck out to us the most was that you are all about not dimming your light to benefit others. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got there? So it's been a journey for sure. But over the years, I've just learned to not care what other people think of me. Um, And I think it really all stems from Back in 2007, I was diagnosed with HIV and it took a toll and it took a little bit of time for me to A, come to terms with it and then B, decide that I wanted to be open about my status. And I knew once I made that decision to be open about my status, I was going to have to be able to let people's comments just roll off my back, you know? And so it's taken a lot of practice and a lot of time to really just not care what other people say or think. And that might mean, you know, I have a TikTok video go viral, but I just don't read the comments, you know, like I just choose not to even be a part of it. Good for you though, that I can imagine how difficult that might be, especially when they go viral and you've got like all these people that are liking it. And then all of a sudden commenting like that, that takes an immense amount of confidence in yourself to not even care to read those. Yeah. And I mean, that's not to say I don't see some of them because like sometimes I open my notifications and they'll just be there, you know, but I just, it's just whatever. I mean, it's people are going to be people. It's fine. Right. Right. So tell us how, how this diagnosis of HIV positive, how, how did that even come into play? So back in 2007, um, actually this is like my time of the year where I like my, I think my body remembers what I went through. It's just crazy. But, um, this in September of 2007, I went on a trip with my girlfriends. Um, and this was like, I don't really remember right now, but probably the second or third time we've gone there and we went to Jamaica girls trip just to have fun. Um, and I ended up having a little bit too much fun and had unprotected sex one time and I came home and I would say probably about a week later, I was very, very sick. Um, I was like passing out. I wasn't eating. I was in bed. Like if I got out of bed, I would just like faint and like pass out on the floor. Um, and I, I know a week later, a week later. And I think the reason why like I got so sick is probably because that whole week I was in Jamaica, I was drinking and having fun. So I think my immune system was like down because like most people don't get that sick and especially not right away. So yeah, I got, went to the emergency room. I think they sent me home like five different times. It was crazy. And they were like, yeah, it's a UTI and like the stupidest little things. And they would just send me home. And then finally 
they checked me into the hospital. I was there for five days. They couldn't figure it out. Like they were doing test after test after test. I was passing out and blacking out in the hospital and they couldn't figure it out until finally I had like an infectious disease doctor actually think to do an HIV test and they did, had to do a spinal tap to find it because it doesn't show up in your blood for like three to six months. So it was a process. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then like, not only the process of getting diagnosed, because I'm sure you're sitting there like, what the hell is going on with me? Right. Like, what is wrong? And right. then you get this diagnosis that I'm sure was the last thing on your radar. Exactly. Yes. And even the doctor was like, you know, it's probably not, but let's test. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was, I mean, cause, and I think honestly, that's the reason why I'm so open about it because nobody ever talks about it like I didn't right. it was like don't get pregnant you know what I mean yeah. like get on birth control don't get pregnant they don't talk about everything else that can happen from having unprotected sex right yeah oh so what were I mean what were you thinking like the minute that they're like well you're HIV positive what what's going through your mind I was like I honestly don't remember everything like my mom was there with me thankfully because it was kind of like I just shut down um, and I know that like one of the first things that had popped into my head, like after I like processed it for a minute was like, can I still have kids? Like that was like, cause I've always wanted to be a mom. So it was like, can I still have kids? And without me even saying that the doctor was like, you can still have kids. Like you can live a normal life and like all that stuff. So it took like obviously time to process it all, but it was just kind of like, and like the day after it must've been a day or two after I came home from the hospital. Um, actually a lady from the state like came to my house and like asked me all these questions because basically if this person did live in the States, they would be pressing charges. Um, but because he lived in Jamaica, there was nothing anybody could do. And so oh this man, did he, he knew? Yes. He knew he had it. Um, and I found out this all played out after the fact. This was back in like MySpace days. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> this was back in MySpace days. And I had, I, I had stayed in contact with him a little bit after. And then I found out that he knew he had it. And a woman actually contacted me on MySpace asking me like, is there something she should know? And I was like, crap yep you might want to go get tested and so long story short she gets tested she's positive she knew of somebody else that he had also slept with oh she's positive gosh. like oh yeah. my gosh yeah yeah and so like obviously my friends and my family like wanted to murder this dude but like yeah of course dog. <laughs> so the only thing a friend of mine did was they called the resort because he worked at the resort that I was at. Sure. So they called the resort and got him fired. But good. Um, well, good at the very because I mean obviously like look at look at how contagious that was and look at how many different people's lives that's going to affect. Right. Oh right. It's crazy. And I don't even you know who knows how many people he actually did infect. I have no idea. But right. it was like playing out like it was crazy. Well, and so I know I I feel like all of. and you probably can, can verify this, but I feel like society now, our HIV knowledge is still stuck in the like seventies, eighties, right? Like at least my interpretation of what happens and prognosis. And I mean, 
I literally constantly think about Forrest Gump and <laughs> Jenny. And like, that's my reaction to it, you know? Um, so what is, what is the prognosis? Like what's treatment like with HIV? Mm -hmm. What? It's actually very manageable. Like I very much live a normal life. Um, and that's not to say that I don't have days where I don't feel great, but I also live with a, I was diagnosed two maybe three years ago now with sarcoidosis in my lungs. So that's like on top of it, it's like an autoimmune disease, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, I mean, life's good. I have days where I don't feel great, but like, I think now that my body is just used to the medication that I'm on, the medication is honestly the worst part of it all. You know what I'm saying? So my body is used to it now and like, I'm good. But like, there was times like, for instance, when I was trying to get pregnant, I had to be on a particular medication. That medication was making me ridiculously sick. I was nauseous. I didn't want to eat. Like it was so bad. So like, depending on the medication that you're on, I mean, I live a very normal, healthy life. Honestly, I joke around because this whole like, you know, COVID thing or whatever. My yes. mom's like up my butt about it. kind of, And I'm like, I'm probably healthier than all y'all, you know, like, <laughs> I take care of myself, you know, right. <laughs> I take my medication every day. I eat healthy. I'm probably healthier than all of you. So calm it down. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so obviously at the time when you got diagnosed, you weren't married, obviously. No. Um, so how did, how, like, how did you meet your now husband and how did telling him all of this, like, how did that play out? So this was like my biggest fear, I think. So it was like, um, I'm going to say, I think a year after I was diagnosed, it took me some time. Like I actually lived with my parents for a little bit and then I moved back um, to where I was living, which was only like an hour and 20 minutes from them. Started back at work again. So I was bartending. Um, and then I actually met my now husband while bartending. And I remember we went out on our first date and I was like, okay, like I have to tell him, like, I'm not going to keep going on dates. And then what happens if like I tell him and then he's like, peace, you know? Right. So he's actually the first person that I ever went out on a date with after. And I told him that night on our first date and I was just kind of like, you know, talking about how everybody has baggage and like, <laughs> how am I going to bring this up to you? I have no idea. But I just kind of blurted it out. And he didn't even really react to it. Like he, um, like it was just so normal. And I still thought for sure I wouldn't hear from him again. Like he's gonna go and then I, right. I'm just never gonna see him and that's fine. But yeah, he called the next day. And of course, like he had family like, oh, are you sure you wanna do this? You can't even kiss. Like you can get it from saliva. Like the whole, the whole shenanigans. Yeah. But he called the next day. And so I've had to, you know, educate his family <laughs> oh i'm sure all the things but yeah it's oh crazy that and so was he the first person that you yeah yes oh my gosh i love what that works yeah out. Like that. <laughs> yeah and we've been together so and that was we got married in 2009 so yeah it's been, oh. been a while wow yeah and then we have one i have a stepdaughter so he had a daughter from a previous marriage and then we have one daughter together where like I had to be on that particular medication, obviously, and I couldn't breastfeed. So it was like little things like that. But um, we used the turkey baster method. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, she's perfectly healthy. He's negative still. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. And like all out of this, like after, I mean, 
I'm sure that getting that diagnosis was probably one of the darkest moments in your life, For right? Sure. Like, holy shit, is this real, yep. right? Yep. And then to like be on the other side of it and like look at, like, I mean, you can just tell like you are perfectly happy. Like oh, you yeah. are perfectly, you know, like it's, it's fantastic that I, I think a lot of our podcasts, the hope is to kind of break different stigmas that we have, whether it's like about mental health or about therapy. Um, and HIV is another one of these. Like I said, like, I think a lot of us just like think HIV, like you said, like his whole family thinking, oh, you're going to get it from kissing. Right. I mean, right. I'm legitimately going to ask you, like, how do you get HIV? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, it's like the blood to blood, like, because it really dies, like, within 60 seconds of being out of your body. You know what I mean? So it's like a yeah. fluid to fluid kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I, and actually, I, I'm i not, like, a researcher or, like, a scientist guru. I don't know the facts about all this stuff. But sure. I think even now, if I were to have my daughter now, she's now eight. But if I were to have her now, I could have breastfed her. Whereas back then I couldn't, but they've just come such a long way, you know? Like my husband and I can even have unprotected sex now because I have, um, it's undetectable. Meaning like if somebody were to look at my blood work, it's not gonna show up. Like if they didn't know that I was HIV positive, it wouldn't show up in my blood right now because I take care of myself and I take my medication and all the things. So yeah, if anybody were to look, they wouldn't know. So my husband, like they just came out with it's untransmittable. If you're undetectable, you're untransmittable. So it's like U equals U is like the. Wow. The, that is incredible. I know. It's, yeah. They've come such a long way. So like I yeah. know within my lifetime, I really feel like there's going to be a cure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. They've come such a long way just since I've had it, you know? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Well, and so, like you said, this, the whole start of this podcast, we talked about how, um, you don't let, you don't dim your own light. Mm-hmm. Right. And some other information that you kind of let us know in your bio is that as a kiddo, you didn't quite, um, fit in is maybe the word that I'm looking for. Yep. Uh, and so when you got diagnosed, were you past all of your childhood experiences or were you still in that like mental state of not quite fitting in? I mean, I was kind of past it, you know what I mean? But I still had those feelings of like, I, it's so hard to explain. Like I was like the class clown in high school. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like I was always felt like I didn't quite fit in with my friends. Although I tried really hard, I never really felt like I just questioned a lot. You know what I mean? Like I questioned, yeah. are do they yeah. really like me? Do I really want, you know, do they really want to hang out with me? Like the insecurities, you know what I mean? Right. But I had, I had moved past that for the most part, but I still, it lingered. It was still, there. yeah. And so like really like getting that diagnosis of HIV, I mean, it, brought you to this point of being like owning who you are and loving who you are and not caring. And that's a crazy cool thing to think that getting this diagnosis afterwards coming out of it, like you are who you are and you're awesome. Like, (laughs) yeah, I've just had to accept it, you know, like, and I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. So I just feel like knowing that and accepting it, like, I just feel like, God gave me HIV because he wanted me to teach others. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not like an overly religious person at all. (laughs) I consider myself more spiritual than I do religious, but like, I just feel like I was given this for a purpose, you know, like, and so I'm just making it work. 
Well, and we love that. That's most of the guests that come on here, you know, they have all had some, whether it's a diagnosis or something tragic happen or just like childhood trauma, like we've all had. And when they come out here and they talk about it, everybody gets to that point of at the very least, if what happened to me can help somebody else, I'm okay with this. Right. And it's such a phenomenal, like profound response from people that this is where you are. I just, I think that it benefits everybody to hear that because whether or not you have, if you're HIV positive, maybe you're getting a different medical diagnosis. Maybe something else is happening in your life and hearing this story and seeing that like lessons were learned out of it. You're changed because of this and it's for the better. Like, holy hell, that's amazing. (laughs) It's crazy. I know. And you wouldn't even believe the messages in my inbox. Like, so many people are like, you brought me out of a dark, you know, spot, a dark space. And like, just, it's just amazing. And it makes me know that like my choice to be open about this was a, a, the right choice, you know? Absolutely. Sure. And there's so much negativity that surrounds like social media so often, yeah. but then when you use it for good and to help others like it's so incredible yeah I mean I always joke like well I don't joke I just always say like I live in a positivity bubble like I nobody's coming in here you know what I mean yeah this is my space I don't even watch the news like I have no idea what's going on in the world I literally don't care you know what I'm saying like that is a good outlook to have (laughs) and my husband's in the military so I'm like if I need to go hide in a bunker I'll know you know like (laughs) I'm good I don't need to know what else is going on in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So Megan, what advice would you give to someone who maybe is going through a pivotal moment in their life? Accept it and embrace it. You know, I just feel like, like I said, everything happens for a reason. And although, you know, I think it's hard for you to accept that in the thick of it, you know, like first having that huge impact, um, it's going to be hard to like move past it. But I think once you can just accept that this is your new normal and move past it, then you can start really embracing it and like choosing to live your best life, you know? Yeah. It's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what have you learned about yourself going through this entire process? Well, I think I've learned that honestly, I'm just stronger than I ever thought I was. Um, And I think as weird as it sounds, I can thank HIV for that, you know, because it's it's made me who I am today. And it's made me, it's given me the strength that I have today that I didn't, I don't think I ever would have had this confidence and this strength and be who I am today if it wasn't for HIV. So I know like so many people are like, really? But like, I, I've learned to embrace it and accept it. And it's just part of who I am. It doesn't define who I am. It's just part of me. Yes. Oh, <laughs> we love that. We're literally like rock on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what has been the hardest part about your journey? Um, I think like, I really honestly have the worst memory ever, but I just feel like thinking back to the days when, I was first diagnosed and like the first time that I was having to tell people like that, I think was the hardest because I was so unsure of how people would react. And I was so scared that my family and my friends or, you know, the closest people to me wouldn't be able to accept it and see it as I had. And I was afraid that I was going to lose people. And that, I mean, 
my life changed. It turned upside down. I was hanging out with friends. I was going out to bars. I was doing all of this thing. And the second I got that diagnosis, I learned that I had to start taking care of myself. So that meant not drinking as much, not going out to bars. And I, I yeah. think I did lose friendships in that aspect of it because my life didn't look like theirs did. Um, sure. So that part was hard, but then really just the whole not knowing what people are going to think that I think that was the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when it's so, it's like so new still. Yeah. I mean, like that was so fresh of a diagnosis. And like I said, there's not, there's just not enough information and people aren't, aren't talking about the things that we should be talking about as, as often as we should. So because it's not a talked about thing, like you're sitting there, like, what do I, how do I tell somebody this? Yeah. So of course, like that initial reaction is super hard, but it, to, to come full circle now with it is just like, you did it, sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a process, but I'm here. <laughs> what do you hope the takeaway is of your story for our listeners? I just, I think I just hope that they can find the confidence and the strength within themselves to make it through the hard times and the the tough days, because no matter what, everybody's going to have hard days, no matter what your story is and what's going on in your life, like shit gets hard sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think just having the courage and the strength to push through all of that and come out on the other side, like I've always talked about going through the valley to like go up on the mountaintop. And I mm -hmm. promise you, if you can make it through that valley and get to the mountaintop, like the view from there is going to be amazing. <laughs> but you just have to keep fighting. So that's my hope for everybody else. You are so great. <laughs> you are. Thank you. <laughs> your positive outlook on, you know, life in general, but like your experiences specifically. I love more than anything what you said about how this does not define who you are. Yeah. And I, I, that's the number one goal I think that we want our listeners to know is that your experiences don't define who you are and who you can become. And you are a shining example of that. Yeah, thank so, you so much. Thank you. Um, but before we go, we want to go ahead and just end our show with a few pop questions. Okay. Hopefully I have an answer. So the, <laughs> the first question is, what is your spirit animal? Oh gosh. Um... I think I'm going to maybe go with like a monkey and I don't know why, but like, <laughs> let's go with it. I mean, I did have a teacher in college who used to tell me I was a giraffe because I was so tall. So maybe that's my spirit animal. I really don't know. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, I love it. You were a superhero. What would your power be? Oh, I think it would have to be to make everybody happy. Like to just have people be happy and not have the negative Nancy's in the world, you know, just like force them to, to see the positivity and not the negativity. <laughs> I like that. it. I like that a lot. What is your most used emoji? Oh, the laughing one for sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Either the laughing one or the kissy face one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, those are my go-to in almost every message I said. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you feel about pineapple on pizza? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. I love me some pineapple on pizza. My sister totally disagrees. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. Uh, whatever you, whatever floats your boat. I think if both of you are a no pineapple. Yes, we are no pineapple. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, are you a morning person or are you a night owl? Well, 
my daughter has forced me into being a morning person. She is an early bird child who is the kind that gets up at 5.30 no matter what time she goes to bed. So yeah, yeah. she's forced me into that. Well, um, we cannot thank you enough for sharing your story. Your positivity is so like we're smiling me this entire time of you telling the story because you're just so positive and it's so contagious. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and thank you for being unapologetically you. Thank you so very much for having me. It was a pleasure. We're so happy you joined us and we hope this story inspired you to be unapologetically you. Join us next time for another remarkable journey. And if you or someone you know has a story to share, please reach out to us on our website at unapologeticallyyoupodcast.com. Don't forget to like us on Instagram and Facebook at unapologeticallyyoupodcast. And please rate and subscribe on whatever platform you listen in on so that we can continue to inspire you.